the Gospel of John, verses 15 through 21. I'll read from the NASB version. It says, So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. And after getting into a boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. It had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea began to be stirred or steered up because a strong wind was blowing. Then when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. So they were willing to receive him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land in which they were going. If you will, just bow your heads for a quick word of prayer. Father, As always, I pray that your people hear your word on today. Father, I ask that you will allow your word to stir their hearts and their minds. Lord, to be encouraged to live for you, to build your kingdom to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Man, Jesus walks on water. You know, when I uh, read this passage, uh, you know, sometimes it just kind of makes me laugh because I put myself in that boat and I think about what I, what I would be going through. And I'll talk about that a little bit later on. If I were to title this um, lesson, I would title it, um, We Can't, But He Can. (laughs) We Can't, But He Can. It's funny how we value strength um, in our culture. Uh, as, As a child, I would compare muscles with my friends and see who could pick up whatever, because that's what we were about, trying to see who was the strongest, right? You, you could walk up to one of us, you know, with our chest trying to, you know, try to protrude our chest a little bit to show that we were strong, and, and then you could actually geek one of us up by saying, ooh, you, boy, you, you growing up. Let me see your muscles. And we would, of course, just pop them out for you real quick. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, you can just give us a little squeeze and 
Say, ooh, boy, you strong. Ooh, look at you. You are so strong. And we walk away even more confident that we're strong, right? And then it didn't stop there because as teens, when you are involved in sports, of course, you're at the gym. And all your boys are there and you're lifting weights. And it's this never-ending contest of who can lift the most. Right? And you're always lifting and and you're trying to show who can lift the most, right? And of course, psychologists and anthropologists, they, all those gurus, they, they kind of land a, a, a comment into the, into the mix as well. And, and what they suggest is that women See, women like men with muscles. Yeah, see, they're, they're drawn to men with muscles. Because what that suggests, according to these experts, it, it suggests that they're naturally drawn to them because muscles send a sign of protection and provision. So you can protect me with your muscles, and you can provide for me with your muscles. And we value these strengths, right? You know, if, if for example, someone came into the church today, right, and they look like, you know, they're going crazy and look like they need to be removed, then all of a sudden I can imagine the conversation would go like this. Oh, okay, do, do, do we need to get some help for you? Uh, uh, who, you know, do you want me to go and get some help for you? And the person say, yeah, yeah, who's upstairs? And, and then the person said, well, it's, it's Elder C. Wright and Trevor. And they say, well, get Elder C. Wright. <laughs> see, see, y'all laugh because... <laughs> see that y'all laugh because see y'all proved my point by y'all laughing. See you value. See how we value. See how we value that. See, see y'all just proved my point. See that's what I'm saying. We got this spin on muscles and protection and things like that, right? And it's interesting. But for today's purposes, I'll, I'll bundle all these ideals up and I'll say. This I'll say that uh, this this strength thing, it's like this inner resolve, this this state of just being in the know that you are the answer. That's right. <laughs> that you are the answer, right? There's this 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 resolve, this this inward thought that you're the answer, that you can deal with things yourself. See, with your own resources, you can handle it. See, not only mentally, because we also go there as well to say, hey, those who are, have that mental fortitude of strength, right? So not only with the muscles, but with the, with the intellect, as well, we say, hey, you, you know, I got it. I can, I can deal with it my, myself, right? But I'm here to tell you today that 
You can't, (laughs) but he can. You can't, but he can. And let's go and and dig into John and see what I'm, I'm saying here. This gospel still is saying to us, even from this chapter, it's still saying to us, let me introduce you to Jesus, right? Let me tell you who he is. Come get to know him, get to know him. John has another story now, not a parable, not a fairy tale, right? This is a historical narrative as to what really went down. This is not a fairy tale. Jesus walking on water is not a figment of someone's or John's imagination. This actually historically happened, right? And he's coming to tell us about it today because you need to get to know who Jesus is. And this portion of scripture picks up right after Jesus fed 5,000 men with two small fish. I told y'all before, some sardines, right? And five loaves of bread. And it's not our loaves of bread. Smaller, crackers almost like, right? And he fed 5,000 men. And some folks say it was upwards of, if you include the women and the children that were there, it was upwards to 15 to 20,000 people, multiplying miraculously food for them from two fish and five loaves of bread. Amen? And after seeing this feat, of course, what you think that people wanted to do? They wanted to make Jesus king. They saw, they saw Medicaid. They saw welfare. <laughs> they saw all of that in him. He had power. He had authority. And he could do miracles and feed us as well. Man, this is government. Right? And they said, now we're going to force him to be king. That was their thought. We're going to force him to be king. And Jesus perceived this, just like it says in the 15th verse. Jesus saw what was going on. He knew what was going on. And he said, you know, he said, first to the disciples, go. He said, get out. He said, just go, go, go ahead, go on your trip. Because he, he did not want them, some say, he didn't want them to get, uh, get wrapped up in this frenzy. They were still growing in their faith and And he didn't want them to just all of a sudden make the wrong move and and endorse their efforts to make him king. So he moved them and told them to go. And when they went, he went up to the mountain. They said he went up to the mountain, right? So the disciples, they went down to the Sea of Galilee and boarded a boat and moved towards Capernaum or Capernaum. And Jesus remained behind, and he went up to the mountain. Verse 15 says, So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Alone. 
often Jesus would go to pray. If you look in Matthew, the 14th chapter, about this same account, they said that he went up to the mountain to pray. Amen. And isn't it interesting that he went up to the mountain to pray at this time? It's interesting because it struck me that he could have had an ego trip at this time. After all, people were in a frenzy trying to make him king, and, and he could have said, yeah, king, king. Gotten off mission and just said, yeah, yeah. But no, even in this high moment, he said, I need to pray. And it's an example for us. The example is, even though when, when we're going through uh, storms in life, we need to be on our knees praying, but we ought to be praying, too, in those high moments as well. Amen? Because we have a tendency to let helium get all up in our heads when people say, oh, man, you really, you really sang that song, Sister Kayla. Woo! See, you pray, right? Right? You really played that, that, that guitar, Corey. Ooh, and poof, right? See, in those high moments as well, we need to pray. Amen? He goes on to say, too, in Matthew's, the fourth chapter, Jesus also may have had another underlying point here, and that is he truly, in a real way, wanted to show them what he had said to Satan. And that is, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus was about his father's business. Not, not, he wasn't on a mission for himself, but he made it clear that he was about his father's business. This was a mission that he was on for his Father's business. Amen? Jesus is an example, as I stated to us, that we need to pray in high moments and in low moments. In verse 16, it tells us that uh, it was evening. If you look at verse 16, and it says that the disciples were now hours uh, into their trip on that water. And they were staying close to the northern, northwestern shore because they anticipated that Jesus would be coming soon and joining them, possibly. So they didn't stay too far from the, from the shore as they rowed towards Capernaum, right? And then all of a sudden, the disciples, you know, you got to understand, too, matter of fact, that they, they weren't rookies when it came to waters and boats and stuff right? They weren't rookies. Most of them were professional fishermen, familiar with the Sea of Galilee. And why I say this is because the Sea of Galilee, when you look at the geographical location of it, it was, depending on who you read, um, the material you read, they say, some say it was 500 uh, feet below. Some say even go to seven to 900 feet below sea level. And it was, it, was, it was surrounded by high plains. Now, from the north, you, you at any moment could blow in cold wind. 
from the north. And then from the south, it could blow in warm or hot air or wind. And, and if they converge right at the Sea of Galilee, well, guess what happens? Instant storm, right? An instant storm. And, and, and guess what happened? <laughs> instant storm. The disciples were rolling along, and an instant storm occurred. And verse 17 says, and after getting into the boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum, and it had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. They were rowing, and they were rowing. They were, like I said, expecting Jesus, but he had not come yet. And, 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 and the interesting thing is, is that all of a sudden, a silent, uh, a, a very violent storm occurs. Verse 18 says, the sea began to stir up, right? Stirred up and, and because a strong wind was blowing. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, right? This was no small storm. That was happening. See, they said that the oars no longer worked. <laughs> they were getting nowhere as they struggled, as they struggled on. They were getting nowhere real fast, right? And they were not moving. The waves were high, and they were beating against the boat, and, and they were just crashing against the sides of the boat. And with all their strength, See the muscles, all their strength, they were trying to get out of the situation, and guess what? They couldn't. They couldn't with all their strength. Verse 19 tells us that they had rowed, by this time, they had rowed about three to four miles. So if you understand that the Sea of Galilee was about eight miles wide, then they were halfway through the journey. And like I said, they were staying close to the shore, anticipating that Jesus would come. But all of a sudden, this storm came, and they found themselves in the middle of the situation, <laughs> found themselves in the middle of the lake, far from the peaceful shore, right? In the middle of the lake, right? out in the middle, in the dark, waves coming high, crashing against the boat, wind blowing violently, and it's, like I said, and it's dark. It's dark. It goes on to say in verse 19 that they were afraid. I think that's an understatement. They were terrified. Right? They were terrified. And now all of a sudden, when their muscles didn't work, guess what else didn't work? That mental fortitude that sunk to the bottom. Right? So all of a sudden, all this thing called strength didn't work. Their muscles couldn't work. Their mental fortitude, they, they, they lost it. They went crazy. They just knew that they were going to 
die, right? It was a terrible situation that they were in. And, and what could possibly, if you just put yourself in that boat, what could possibly like get your mind off of that situation? You're in that situation, in the middle of that situation. It's dark. The wind is blowing and, and water all over your face. And the waves are crashing and everything else. And you feel like, you know, that you're going to sink at any moment. What could possibly get your mind off of that situation? I mean, could one of the disciples all of a sudden, you know, everything going on, whoosh, whoosh, and then they look down at their sandal and they say, oh, man, I forgot to tie my sandal. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> nothing like that could possibly get their minds off of this situation. They knew that they were going to like die. They were like, oh, my goodness, we're going to sink at any moment. My muscles don't work. I mean, I done lost it up here. I'm gone. I mean, I just know we are going to die. Wait, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Do I see somebody walking on the water? Hold up. Hold up. This is making me forget about the storm right now. I see a ghost. <laughs> I see a spirit. That's what they said. That's what they were saying to themselves, according to Matthew, the 14th chapter. They thought they saw a ghost when they saw Jesus all of a sudden walking. And I can imagine it was no urgent situation for Jesus. He may have had still a couple of those fish left just walking. <laughs> Just in my holy imagination, I'm just thinking he was like, oh, there you guys go. And he's just walking across the water. And the disciples looking and they say, oh, is that Jesus? Is that Jesus? That can get your mind off <laughs> of the situation that you're in, right? That can get you, that can just say, man, and, and, and you know the situation is, is just, I mean, can you imagine the situation that they were in? I mean, on top of that, before they saw that and, and figured out that it was Jesus, as I stated, they thought it was a ghost. So they had this, this storm thing going on, and then on top of that, a, a ghost going to come. I mean... If I'm in a boat, I'm like, forget it. Forget it. You know, it imagine, you know, it just reminds me of, like I told you all before, about these zombie movies, right? And, and, and then in, uh, uh, what, 1968, I believe, they came out with the, the Living Dead, right? And, and when I watched that, I was like, Man, these zombies ain't nothing. Why are these folks panicking? I mean, they move this slow. Ugh. Uh, and I mean, and they're grabbing you like they take about an hour to just grab you. Uh, like them zombies, they're nothing, man. And I'm thinking as a little guy watching this, just give me a shovel. And I was just like, pop, I'll hit them in the head and they won't even mess with me. 
Uh, uh, I could probably have time to tease them. Uh, uh. They're so slow, right? But then all of a sudden in 2013, World War Z, these zombies, <laughs> these jokers are fast, strong, persistent, intelligent, and, and, and you can't do nothing with them. And I just said, man, you know, if I'm in that situation, and by the way, there were millions and millions and millions of them. I'm like, man, you know, just go ahead. Just bite my arm, get it over, because I can't win. <laughs> I can't win. And, and that's the situation I can imagine the disciples were like, man, and now in the storm and the things going on, I'm in the dark and I'm wet. And, and it, I know I'm going to sink at any moment. And now I see a ghost. Forget it. That ghost is just telling me, come, you're about to die. <laughs> Forget it. I'm like, uncle, uncle, I give, right? But we can't, but he can. We can't, but he can. Amen? And, 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 and here's another thought for you all. Jesus, if we go back to that, that before they were in that boat, one writer said Jesus told them to go. Mark 6 chapter. Jesus told them to go. And in the Sunday school material, it says that the disciples were in the will of God at this time. Jesus told them to go in the boat. And they went, they followed Jesus' direction. So it's, and, and, and they posed the question that, isn't something wrong with that? Jesus know, knowing, you know, he knows everything. He's all-knowing, and he's going to send them into that situation. He's going to send them into a storm like that. He's going to send them into, I mean, they were in God's will. And being in God's will, they still get a storm. They still get a storm. Isn't something wrong with that? I mean, wasn't Jesus wrong by doing that, sending them into a storm like that? They were obedient, and yet they were in a situation where they, their lives were in danger. They thought, but verse 20 says, they saw him, and when they saw him in verse 20, he said to them, it is I. Do not be afraid. When you study just those three words, it is I, in the Greek, it says ego emi. Ego in ego is I am in Hebrew. Emi is I am in Greek. And you put them together, it sounds like he's stuttering. I am, I am. I am. But when you interpret it, he says, I am who I am. <laughs> I am who I am. You know, no one else can truly say, I am who I am. Just think about it. No one can say, I am 
who I am. And this goes back to the Old Testament. Remember when Moses was saying, hey, who do I tell them who, that they sent me? And, and they said, I am who I am. No one can say I am who I am. No one can truly say I am who I am. Just think about it. None of you can say I am who I am because you really not. Just by the time I finish this statement, you've changed. You've, you've gotten seconds older just by me stating this statement now. You change. <laughs> you can never say, I am who I am. You, you're changing right now. <laughs> you're getting older <laughs> right now. Happy birthday to you. You're getting older. <laughs> As I speak, you're getting older. You cannot truly say, I am who I am. See, therefore, you change. And situations change you as well. Uh, uh, for example, if you have a bad fall and you've gotten injured by that, that fall, that fall changes you, right? All of a sudden, just that experience changed you, and you just say, whoa, I better not step down that, that, I better not step down that step like I did last time. I better go a little slower this time, right? Right? You've changed. You got more information <laughs> And, 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 and by going through that experience, you've gotten smarter, hopefully, right? Hopefully wiser. And see, as we go through situations and as we, we go through various experiences, we what? We change. We get hopefully smarter, right? Hopefully smarter. But here's the thing. When Jesus says, I am who I am, see, before the storm he was and he is who he is during the storm. He does not change. He is who he is. And after the storm, he is who he is. See, and that's the point. That's the point. See, he saw the end. See, he saw verse 21 before the disciples saw verse 21. He knew verse 21 would happen. He knew that he was going to step into the boat, and as soon as he stepped into the boat, boom, they're at the shore. He already knew that. But see, he also knew that that storm needed to occur for them. <laughs> for, for their, and they needed to go through something to understand who he is. See, they didn't know who he was, and they were still learning that he is who he said he is. I am who I am. And they needed to understand that. And they needed to go through a little something to let them know that, hey, your, your muscles can't do it. Your experience as, as fishermen can't do it. Your intellect can't do it. You can't do it. But I can't. See, and, and one writer said this is how it is through life. Just imagine that boat is you going through life in the sea, and you're trying to handle life on your own with your own strength and with your own mental fortitude, and you're paddling and you're paddling, and when these 
these, uh, these storms come and these challenges come, and all of a sudden they come, and, 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 and you're trying to paddle and paddle with these oars, and you're going nowhere real fast, trying to negotiate life on your own with your own resources. And he's saying, <laughs> you can't, but I can. You can't, but I can. Amen? You can't, but I can. And, and, and let's just, like, let me kind of like hammer this point home. Uh, like I, I started off by kind of giving a definition of, of strength and, and pretty much said that strength is uh, when you rely on your own personal resources for the answer, right? Well, there's a big problem with that. And the problem is, is that we're dreadfully flawed. We're dreadfully flawed. We are flawed. We're flawed. Uh, I was reading a bit about Frederick Nietzsche, uh, the famous philosopher, and he had this ideal about the superior man. The superior man, right? And he said, this superior man, a man that would justify the existence of the human race. That's how tough he is. He's going to justify the existence of the human race. He went on to, he goes on to say this, that this superior man would not be a product of long evolution. Rather, he would emerge when any man with superior potential completely masters himself and, strike, and strikes off conventional, strikes off conventional Christian herd morality. You hear that? When they get rid of that Christian herd morality. And, and, and create his own values, which are completely rooted in this life on earth. You see that? It's all about, this, it's all about self and how he can complete it, how he can do it, how, how, how man can do it, this superior man. And, and what they end up saying is uh, 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 the German word, Ubermensch, Superman, Superman. That's what they came up with, this concept of Superman. And there was a young man that read this material. There was a young man that read this material, and he agreed with it wholeheartedly. And his name was Adolf Hitler. And he set out to make that not only Superman, but that super race called the Nazis. See, we are, we are flawed. We are so flawed we, when we even try to go and, 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 and become this Superman, one with all of the answers. We still get it wrong. We still get it wrong. Let me bring it more uh, close to home, instead of getting heady with all of these philosophers and stuff, let me bring it closer to home. How about the Avengers? 
And then all of a sudden they create Thanos. And when they create Thanos with that deep voice he had, and he was after the rings, even Thanos was better than all of them put together, especially when he had the rings. And then all of a sudden he had the rings. He did something dreadfully flawed. Even the characters today can't get it right. We'll never be able to get it right because we are dreadfully flawed. We can't, but he can. We can't, but he can. Verse 21 says, so they were willing to receive him into the boat. Of course they were. <laughs> of course they were. Of course, willing. <laughs> Get in here now. Come on, right? And immediately, the boat was at the land to which they were going. Some folks, there's a big debate. Some say, if you interpret that one way, it means that when he stepped into the boat, all of a sudden, all of the waves and stuff was went, I mean, just subsided, and they were able to, you know, go their way and complete the trip unabated go without interruption and just complete the trip. Others say, no, nah, don't even try. What happened is this. As soon as he stepped into that, everything ceased, and they was like, oh, we here. <laughs> See, that's what they said. Occurred a miracle and a miracle. <laughs> He's a miracle worker. And as I stated, that goes to show you that he knew the end. He knew the end. He knew that he would walk. He knew that he would step into that boat, and he knew that they were going to make it safely on the other side. Like I told you all last week, we're the ones that are becoming. He is. <laughs> right? We're the ones that's becoming. We're changing. We're, we're, we're calling ourselves getting wiser and, and having more experience and everything else. And even though we're on this life journey, we, still, we, we, we will still never reach perfection, right? We, it, life is a journey of just learning and learning and learning and learning and learning. But he is. He is. There's no improving perfection. He is, right? And he is. So here is the, the, the question for the day. Are you really going to still try to do things on your own? <laughs> As the young folks say, really, though? <laughs> really? You're going you're gonna to really try to navigate life? These 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 emergencies, these, these the, like death, sickness, financial crisis, all these things, relationship issues. Oh, you're going to really try to like navigate that on your own? You, you, do you really think that your resources can handle all that? Can handle life? Can handle life? I mean, how many knots upside your head 
are you willing to take? You know, life is tougher than those zombies in World War Z. Life on your own, that's a challenge you don't want to face. But Jesus, he can. And, and, and let me make sure that I, 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 you understand this. I don't want, to, don't want you to lose this. When you do decide to come to him, and you come to him, it doesn't mean that it will be a bed of roses. See, this, this story tells you that he still may send you and allow you to go through a storm because it'll be something that you need to get out of that storm, right? It's something you need to get out of that storm. You know, we, we as humans, we, we are so interesting because what we do is we get bored of things. We get bored of things. We, we get bored of, like, food, get bored of a game if you're in a game. You know, you, you, I, I, you know, Daddy, I need a new game. Right, I done, I done played this game, and now I need a new one. We, just, we get bored easily with it. We even get bored with relationships. And we think we need to improve there as well, Right? And we just get bored quick, you know, with things. Like I told y'all before, if you had your favorite meal and you had it like, you know, you had it like that first day and you're very hungry. And as a matter of fact, we ain't even got to go there. It don't have to be your favorite meal. It can be something that you're okay with, but you're starving. And then all of a sudden you, you sit down and eat it and you just say, oh, my God, this was so good. This was so good. Oh my goodness! How you, how you, you know, what's the recipe on this? Oh my goodness! It was so good. But if you're not that hungry anymore, and you've lost your appetite, and then you taste and you say, oh, no, "I'm good with it," or if it's your favorite thing, that first couple of days you'd be like, "Oh my goodness, chicken! Oh, I love chicken! Oh man, chicken, 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 chicken!" I'm talking about myself. Oh, chicken, chicken. And then all of a sudden, you know, give me about, about six days of chicken. And I'm like, man, Karen, can you change that recipe, please? <laughs> I am sick and tired of Colonel Sanders right now. You know, I'm tired of it. I want to give me a burger. We, we get tired of things so quick. You see what I'm saying? And, and, and we get bored of things so easily. And, and that's why sometimes you need to go through some things to appreciate some things. Because, see, if it was always easy and sunny, all of a sudden you say, Lord, can you dial that sun down, please? I mean, come on. You know, just send just a part, partial cloudy today, please. You see what I'm saying? But all of a sudden, when you go through that storm and the waves and everything else, and you go through that storm, you'll be like, Lord, thank you for the sun. Thank you for this sunny day. Thank you. You see, 
you appreciate it more. And that's what storms do. They, they allow you to appreciate things more. So when you make this decision to come to Christ, no. doesn't mean a bed of roses. There may be storms that you still need to go through. But they'll be for a purpose. And they'll be for a reason. And that'll be to make you more like him. To make you more like him. So, as we always say today, choose ye this day who you will serve. Will it be yourself and your resources or will it be him? And I stand on this. We can't. But he can. Amen? But he can. God bless you. And if you do choose today, if you choose to serve him, if you choose to come after dismissal, we have elders available to pray with you and, uh, and, and go through that process and help you understand uh, who Jesus is even more. And those who are out on Zoom, I pray that you will contact us. And if you do, we will get back with you. But don't let this moment pass you by. Choose ye this day who you will serve. Amen. I'll turn to the hospitality crew for dismissal. Amen.